Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God. You are our rock, you are our redeemer. Amen. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Frederick Beekner is a Presbyterian minister and preacher. He is also a novelist, and one of his most powerful novels tells the story of the medieval saint called Godric. Godric comes to faith late in life after an adventurous and rather wild youth, but when he comes to faith, he discovers that the one who dies to the old life may live to new life, eternal life. The one who dies to the old life may find life that's real and life that endures. And Godric has a kind of motto that he mumbles to himself when he's trying to remember his own story and to recall himself to his new faithfulness. Here's what he says. All's lost. All's found. In today's passage from the Gospel of St. John, a group of Greeks come and tell Philip they want to see Jesus. Philip tells Andrew, and Philip and Andrew go to see Jesus together, say that the Greeks want to see him, and Jesus says this, I paraphrase, tell those Greeks, it's not enough just to see me. If they want to know me, they have to follow me. I'm on my way to be crucified and then to be raised again, and if they want to know me, they'll need to follow me. They'll need to die to their old lives and find new life through me. The way to life, says our Lord, the way to life goes straight through death. The way to life goes straight through death, all's lost. All's found. Jun Li Ho came to the United States from China. She came to study law at Yale University. Her way was paid by the Chinese government, and the plan was that she would finish her degree in the United States and then return to work as a legal advisor for the administration in Beijing. Now, it came to pass in that year that there were no rooms available at the law school at Yale, so she was housed, to her amazement, at the Divinity School. There is no guarantee of this, I assure you, but it happened that that year, at least, the Divinity School students in her apartment building met weekly for Bible study and prayer. And because she wanted to make friends and thought that she had nothing to lose, June Lee joined them for those weekly meetings. And to her astonishment, to her astonishment, she began to be interested. And then to her greater astonishment, she began to believe. She received her law degree, and then just when everyone was expecting her to return to Beijing, she astonished her parents and annoyed the government 
by announcing that she had decided to stay in the United States and go to divinity school. She had to leave a great deal behind to die to much that she had loved. She left behind her promising career as a lawyer high up in the Chinese government. She left behind life with her parents. She left behind a rich culture and a history that she cherished. Now she is not much to speak of in some ways. The pastor of a small Chinese-speaking church in Connecticut. But she has found, to her astonishment, that though she has given up a great deal, she has gained a great deal more. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. All's lost. All's found. My friend James Nelson went through death to new life. His story is profoundly personal, and for many years I would not have shared it with you, but now he's written his story in a book, and so I feel free to share it. The name of the book is called Thirst. Nelson is a distinguished teacher, preacher, and theologian. He is one of the handful of people to whom I would gladly entrust my life. What I did not know was that through the many years of our friendship, he was also struggling painfully with addiction to alcohol. He lived with a longing for alcohol so deep that no bar and no bottle could quench it, and he hid it from us magnificently. But here's what he writes about his own story. I went to AA to make my speech. I call them drunkologues. Every drunkologue I have heard or have given is a striking illustration, he says, of an estrangement that goes beyond psychological or medical description. The speech says, in my alcoholism, I was floundering in a sea of estrangement that strained, diminished, and sometimes altered every significant relationship in my life. So in the midst of that, somewhere deep within himself, deeper than the words he spoke, deeper than the words even he prayed, deep as the heart of God, in the midst of that terrible death, he knew he needed new life. For me, he says, that knowledge came on the morning of April 20th, 1993, after five and a half days in a hotel room two miles from my home, the night before I had run out of vodka, it was too late to order more. Morning had come. There was no morning drink to continue my escape. I looked into the mirror and saw defeat. The strange disease had me, and my efforts to conquer it had only wrapped the web more tightly around me. It was death. It was hell. It was the beginning of life. From that lowest moment, surrounded by a loving family and good friends, Jim Nelson found the courage to go to a rehabilitation program 
And he began the long struggle to receive the good news that he did not need to be bound by his addiction. That was 1993. This is 2009. He is well. But while he was there in the recovery program, a friend of his sent him a note. It said simply this, read Psalm 30. So Nelson opened his Bible. For God's anger is but for a moment. His favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may linger for the night. But joy comes with the morning. I heard Jim Nelson tell that story in a sermon he preached. Chastened, humble, penitent, full of joy. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth, it remains a single seed. But if it falls into the earth and dies, it bears much fruit. Jim Nelson found it in his own life. I bear testimony to that life. All's lost. All's found. So Jesus speaks to those Greeks who come to see him. Not enough to see me, he says, you've got to follow me. And if you want life, you need to learn that the way to life leads straight toward death. He says that as a reminder to his followers, but he says that, I suspect, in this difficult time, waiting his own crucifixion, he says it also, I think, as a reminder to himself. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Glorified, glorified, odd as it seems in John's gospel, glorified is the word Jesus most often uses for his own crucifixion. On the cross, he will be glorified. For St. John, he is the word who was with God before the worlds began. He is the word who came into the world and shone like light in the darkness, like light in the darkness. Those who loved the light flocked to follow him. Those who loved the darkness plotted to destroy him. Only a few, de only a few days after Jesus tells the Greeks about the grain of wheat, only a few days after he tells them they must lose their lives to find it, only a few days after that, the children of darkness will hang him to a cross. Ha! The children of darkness will think, we've got him. But when he is on the cross, when he is lifted up, he will stretch out his arms to draw the whole world to himself. The children of darkness will think that they've got him. The children of light will know that he's got us. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified, and when I am lifted up on the cross, I will draw all people to myself. Dear friends, the way to life leads straight through death. All's lost. All's found. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down.
Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. To Christ, therefore, be thanks and praise. Amen.